0: Wandier is back again with something guaranteed to make your life just a little bit easier. You thought they had everything covered with the instant classic Deere, S10 and under? Well, you couldn't be more wrong. The wise people at Wandier know your child even better than you do. They're aware that as little Jimmy's brain grows and develops, he's going to stop wanting to play the mow the yard game. Eventually, he's going to get bored and lazy. Luckily... The adult product engineers at Wandier are experienced at outsmarting children of all ages. Trust us, we hired the majority of them away from Hasbro and Mattel. With that in mind, on sale now at all Wandier locations is the amazing brand new S11 and over all yard ATV. The men and women at Wandier have taken your child's TikTok corrupted attention span into account with this fabulous new children's riding lawnmower. The S11 and over is totally customizable. You can slap on some of the free Wand Deer stickers that are included and have little Lance or Karen feeling like a big X Games star as they ride around the yard, naively doing good old dad's yard work for him for at least a couple more summers. This allows you to continue propping your feet up with your favorite cold beverage on Saturday and catching every minute of the game. Still equipped with all of the safety features that you've come to expect and rely on, Juan Deere has broken the mold again with the S11 and over all-yard ATV. Just tell them, put away that homework for now, kids. It's time for you to head outside for some fresh air and fun. Then you relax, pat yourself on the back, and let your kids take care of the mowing for you. Find it now, just in time for spring, at all authorized Wandeer dealers.
1: Oh, here we go again. Hey everybody uh here we are again it's uh just me today no dan it's your digital daddy singular and uh, we have another special guest from another faraway land joining me to uh kind of pick up the slack that i'm let slide is is sam again say hey sam
2: hey good afternoon
1: and our guest today he runs the age group multi-sport podcast uh he's from england and his name is richard what's going on
3: richard hey how are you doing
1: Oh, just swimmingly. We uh, threw this together as a uh, guest host thing last minute, so we are just winging it for the most part. I guess we'll go with just what I have down here, and it'll keep me from umming and and all the way through. What about background info? What's your life been like up
3: till now? Well, basically, I am um, 55. I've got two grown-up children, uh, both boys, 26, 28. And 26-year-old Luke, he's a an English teacher. And the 28-year-old Joe, he's a graphic designer. And I can say as a proud father of two fantastic kids, they've done very well for themselves. And I put that totally down to the mother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong there. Yeah, you win either way in that case.
2: Absolutely. Um, nice bit of brownie points there.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I've got a whole bunch of questions. We uh, may get tired of asking them after a while. I've got some that I came up with. I've got some from my co-host who couldn't join us. And I've got a couple from, uh, I actually am uh, in a group chat. Uh, we run a D&D campaign. I asked some of them a couple of questions. You know, each of these interviews is just essentially bringing on a dad from whatever walk of life. And we uh, pretty much just talk about him, all about where they're from and what their interests we do get into a little bit of the actual act of fatherhood and what have you. My co-host in particular wanted me to ask a couple questions that you may or may not have a memory of. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. So first off, I saw, and this is all from your Facebook. So if I'm you know, a little bit off on, on some of this, then then blame that. But I see that you're from Louth and I looked at a map and I'm a, a Chelsea fan. So I wanted to see like uh, if there was a particular team, football team that that area pulled for. And I saw a little bit of Leicester, a little bit of Nottingham Forest, but I saw that there's also a a Louth Town team. I didn't know. Do you uh, do you like football? Do you pull for a particular team?
3: Um, yeah, I like football. I originally come from Middlesbrough, which is north northeast England, but my favorite team is Manchester United.
1: Oh, okay, right on. So yeah, you, <laughs> per, and I guess you're not
3: very happy now at the moment being a Chelsea fan.
1: No, it got so bad that I just kind of. Started watching the table, you know, the records as opposed to the actual games because it was going to be a loss or a tie pretty much every time. I don't know if yeah. it's the new manager or what, or the you know the new owner. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get a lot of Chelsea news around here unless you go look for it. So I haven't really been keeping up uh, as much as I was last year and the year before. The fact that you aren't originally from Louth may make some of these questions a little bit uninteresting. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but. I looked up some of the history, and there's just so much it's not even possible to really go over it in one podcast you You have to be just tripping over old bones and old artifacts and whatnot along those similar lines. Have you had any cool like paranormal experiences or anything like that you know out on your runs or or bikes or anything along those lines?
3: I can't say I have no um we've only just moved back into town actually we we lived out in the countryside for um a significant well most of the boys' lives. Um, just in a little village outside of Louth town, which is about six miles away. Um, and we've only just recently moved into um, a really old house. But no, I can't say I've I've experienced any paranormal activity going on at all. So
1: Mostly they could just die peacefully then, I guess. I <laughs> guess. <laughs> uh, okay, so kind of more toward the actual town itself. I don't know specifically how long you've lived in that general area, but I see that it's really done a lot to hold on to its historical identity. They've not let, you know, a lot of these big corporations kind of come in and, and push out the more locally owned businesses, which I think is awesome. But I, ha- I did have a couple of questions about that. For one, our youth, I guess, pretty much the world over, they typically seek m- more excitement, more, you know, bigger cities. Is this a place that you have a lot of young people hanging around or do they typically move away when, you know, when they get old enough?
3: I think it's probably, a, like most places, a bit of both. I think the town Louth itself, over the last two years, three years, it's getting bigger. They're building more and more houses. Um, more estates are getting thrown up. And on the the um, the large corporations moving in, we've just actually got the last, I think it was last month or the month before, McDonald's has just opened up. Um <laughs> in a not actually in the center of town itself out like outside of town on an industrial estate so yeah it is beginning to we've also got kentucky fried chicken and costas and you know that so it is starting to become a bit more i guess cosmopolitan if you like in that way but the 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 main center of the the market town itself has been kept quite traditional which is good
1: you guys have like a lot of butchers and, and, and things along those lines, and we don't have anything like that where I live. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all just go to the grocery store. I saw that the only real, you know, mainstream grocery store you have is, uh, at least when I looked at this, was Aldi. Um, yeah. So it's it's really cool that you have that sort of, you know, localized economy. So moving on from, from the geography of, of the area, uh, I had a couple of triathlon questions. I may or may not pronounce these names correctly. Uh, uh British and American English tends to differ sometimes. But I saw that Adrian Royal lives in or, or near Routh, and that he was uh, a big time runner. Had do you know him at all? Have you, you know, gotten any cool tips no, from him? Not
3: come ac- not come across that guy.
1: Okay, um, I don't even know if you'll know these names. They were notable people of that particular area or town. The other one that, that jumped out, just that was tied into your particular expertise, was. Leon DeCave uh, was apparently born there. She's a retired triathlete, like the only woman in the world to win uh, the Ironman and the World Championship triathlon in one year. Okay, so that we're moving on from there. No interesting stuff there, no worries. <laughs> and as far as triathlon, do you, you typically, well, always uh, run bike swim. Uh, do you do your swimming in the ocean?
3: Generally not in the ocean. Um, I have done in the past, but the ocean around by us is absolutely disgusting with uh, sewage. I guess it's... Most of the country isn't good. Probably up in Scotland, it's not so bad. Off the Orkney Islands and maybe down south, Devon, Cornwall, the water's pretty good. And off off the coast of Wales, actually, it's not so bad there. But generally, it's just not. You just wouldn't. And especially where we are, we we go into the um, the, hum, the Humber Estuary, where all the, the shipping channels are, and it's just it's filthy. You come out and you're black. You know, it's that bad. Oh, that's yeah.
1: terrible! Do you have something,
2: Sam? Oh, I was agreeing with um, I was agreeing with the with our guest here about the about the pollution in the area. I was going to ask about Wales and the coast of Wales if there was any spots there that you preferred, but um, yeah, you know, we'll just keep it kind of local to your area of Louth. Uh, what kind of sports complexes are, are in your area that you prefer to go to for your training or for your uh, your routines? Are there any available? Yeah, to I mean, you? We're, where you're-
3: yeah, we're quite lucky actually for such a small location. About 10 years ago, they built a brand-new leisure centre with a 25-metre pool, uh, and it's absolutely fantastic. Nice. Uh, we are really, really lucky to have that facility. So that covers the swimming. Also, the, the, they've got all the, the cardio equipment, you know, the st- stairmasters, the steppers, the treadmills, um, bikes. They've got a bike studio. Uh, they've got all the weights and everything. So it's we're covered pretty much. It's a, a really good facility.
2: That's nice. That that's great. And I mean are there any kind of fees or memberships included with this or is this kind of a public facility that the the entire community can get involved in?
3: Yeah, unfortunately like most things you've got to pay um you know, right. uh, an annual uh, subscription. It's not outrageous and I guess the more you use it the cheaper it becomes. If you just went on a a daily basis then it would cost you quite a lot of money, but uh yeah it's it's reasonable we're trying to get we've got a little club triathlon club with about twenty members and um we're trying to get those members to use the facility and if we do that, we get a corporation um membership which brings it down so uh, but unfortunately we've not we've we've not managed to get everybody together to do that yet so maybe next year
2: all right well, maybe next year I hope it works out for you and so forth. Do you ever collaborate with any other clubs in the regional area and come together and do like fundraisers or Fun runs or events or something. I, I know you're northeast of London. I think. Uh, I mean, you're in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was it Lincolnshire County? Lincolnshire County. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. the East Midlands region, I believe.
3: That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a popular sport around our area. um There's one, two, three, four, maybe five clubs within a a small radius um that usually meet at all the usual. Uh, there's quite a lot of events that get put on. Um, mm-hmm. So we. You know, we usually see the same faces if we go to the local local events, which is pretty cool.
2: That's nice. That's nice. I don't have any other questions right now. I'll turn it over to Corey if he wants to continue on with the triathlete.
1: We'll just move on to the, as I have them written down, and coming up are a couple of the questions from the group chat, which focused on a couple of different things, but we'll start with education. One of my buddies, she wanted to know, uh, and this is, she wasn't super specific on this. So take this as you can, you know, give us whatever you think or whatever you're sure of. She wanted to know how school compares between there and here. As far as I guess, she's a big Harry Potter fan. And I can only imagine (laughs) she she thinks that it's all uh, sitting in class in in a castle somewhere. That being said, I I joke a little bit. I I don't know either beyond TV. Is it really just the same, you know, just classroom environment, hour long classes move on to the next that type of thing?
3: Yeah I think um, mainly it's like that we have state schools and we have private schools and we have grammar schools which um quite funny actually because having two boys two years apart in our area there's a grammar school and it's King Edwards in Louth and you've got to pass a, an exam to get in there and the standard of education is supposed to be better. Um, you get people trying to move into a certain area postcode to try and go to the school. That being said, my youngest son, he went to just a public school, which was about four miles along from where we used to live in the village. So one went to a grammar school, one went to a public school, and they came out with exactly the same grades, Uh, different subjects, but exactly the same grades. What I would say was, um, from the grammar school, my son's got, I'm not even sure how to put it, actually. It's its more of a, hmm, how, do you, how do you describe it without being offensive? It's because more wealthy people sort of go to that school. The kids go to that school. He, his language is different. He's just got a different outlook on life, if that makes sense, from a more, because we have I don't, in America do you have um levels of of different society you know do you have you do you have a class society or do you have a classless society whereas we have a class society we have the the higher class we have the middle class we have the lower class um and I guess it's just those different classes primarily in my eldest sons who went to grammar, he mainly had a middle class environment whereas my other son who went to the Standard school, he had all classes: lower, middle, upper. You know, it was varied. So I guess, um, yeah. But going back, to, that was a long-winded answer to your question. But going back to the to the to the question is, yeah, there's different different um, types of schools, and also there's home-educated schools. And I heard you guys going on at, about home education, which was really quite interesting for me um, as a dad who my both my kids went to school. Um, I thought that conversation was really, really interesting. And you brought up some really valid points that I hadn't even heard of or thought about, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, we have. Yeah, we have that as well. So,
1: uh, That actually was going to lead to my next question, considering we just went over that in a previous episode. Do you have a large percentage of the United Kingdom that homeschools or is it do you, do you in your opinion, consider that more of an American thing?
3: I really don't know the answer to that question. I don't. I haven't really looked into it. Um, whether it's an American thing or not, I'm not sure either. I never used to think it was that valid, to be honest. Uh, I didn't really know myself growing up, and my boys growing up. I didn't. I hadn't really heard about it. I've only really heard about it in the last few years, since, and it stems back to the leisure centre that we go to. the The homeschool kids go to the leisure centre on a Friday. Um, and use the facilities so that's how I was I became aware of there was such a thing Um, so I I guess maybe it is more of an American idea and but I think it's yeah I think it's more and more valid actually
1: yeah no doubt with the the current environment it does become more and more of a decision that I think that people will be making one way or the other yeah okay so that was good that was interesting Uh, and I'm glad that you got something out of that conversation that was by far our, our longest podcast but it's also one that, you know, we both have uh, a lot to think about and our opinions may change, but I don't know. <laughs> we, we're pretty, I think that we're pretty well set on, on a final opinion on that, barring some you know radical improvement on, on things. The same person had a question about food regulations. I had no prior clue about this, but I guess the UK did have very strict, I guess, guidelines on what could be added to food. As far as a preservatives and whatnot, the fact that they are now transitioning away from the European Union may indicate that that will be relaxed a little bit. But as, <clears throat> and this is an assumption on my part, but uh, I assume that as you know, as a triathlete, you are someone who's hyper focused on what what you take into your body. Do you uh, have any thoughts or or concerns about that at all, or is it just not something you really have to worry about? Being that you could virtually shop from a local distributor for everything that you get you know based on where you live
3: uh I, well my first answer is i hope not i hope they don't relax it i hope it stays as um tight as they are in fact i hope they make it tighter and they make it more stringent personally i don't eat processed food pretty strict uh, pescatarian diet uh, you could say not really sure where the fish comes from and that in that but most of the vegetables and the fruits Definitely the vegetables we source locally, uh, because the Lincolnshire area they grow a lot of their own vegetables, potatoes, cabbage, that sort of thing, because it's it's really good growing ground. Fruits, again, I guess like everywhere you've got to import all the things like bananas and oranges and things. That's that's inevitable, but they basically come wrapped up anyway. So, uh, but yeah, I try and eat as clean as possible and. Don't eat any rubbish. I'm really, I'm really bad. I'm People sometimes think I'm a bit of a weirdo because it goes down to not drinking tap water. That's as far as, you know, I just don't drink tap water because my dog doesn't drink tap water. So that tells me that it's not good. She prefers to go outside and drink rainwater. Yeah. Um, so that tells me, and I can smell it when I turn the tap on, I can smell all the chemicals in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah so it's it's just it's choices isn't it and i choose to eat i'm a chef by trade that's what i i i did for 20 years so i can cook and i can we eat everything from scratch we grow as much of our own stuff as we can it doesn't it doesn't really affect me in in a big way because we do try and eat well um and that's mainly vegetables
1: right on. interesting um our last interview our only real interview uh, he's from new zealand and they also try to grow and, and, you know, produce as much as they can, as they can. They live off the grid pretty exclusively for the most part. So they, uh, you know, the compost and all that stuff. And uh, you mentioned your dog. Uh, is it, is uh, her name Betty?
3: That's right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. I, th- I thought so. Does, uh, does she ever go running with you or anything like
3: that? She did. Uh, she's nine now. And she's, she's a cross between an old English sheep dog, you know, Dulux dog. Um, have you come across one of those?
1: Uh, well, when you say English sheepdog, I kind of get a, you know, an idea. It's and I not... saw I did see pictures as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And an Alsatian, that's an old a German shepherd. So she's a bit of a mixed breed. So she's quite a big dog, but when she was younger, she would run, but now not so much.
1: Well, don't feel too bad. I have a little dog and she's not that old and she's already quit running. So <laughs> I'd have a couple more questions. I guess I'll get out of the way and then we'll move on to my co-host questions that he had. Our next whenever we have another episode just between the, the hosts, our daddy issue is going to be about dads needing time to themselves, time away, time to relax, what have you. And I haven't completely formulated my thoughts on what I'm going to say, but do you personally have any anything on that? Are you like, for example, with my personal situation, I am more of the type that I will spend uh, maybe more time than is absolutely necessary downstairs, just kind of detaching and 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 relaxing if if my wife is home but on the other side of that my wife is just perfectly happy being around family and or friends 24 7 and never needs a break from anything where do you fall on that as far as like do you think it's just natural for a dad to or a mom to to need you know uh, some time away or do you think that it's just as uh, natural for uh, someone to be completely happy never being apart
3: i think it depends on the personality Personally, I needed when when the kids were growing up, I had my time and it would usually be in the morning. I would go out for usually weekends. um, I would go out for a bike ride and it might be a couple of hours and it'd be early in the morning before the kids sort of like surfaced. So that was that was one session. And then I used to do a Kido, which is a, a martial art on a Tuesday and a Friday evening for an hour. And again, that was my my time away but my circumstances were my wife worked away a lot um she worked for an american company kimberly clark and she traveled all around the world so for a period of time i was actually bringing the kids up myself so obviously there's then there's no release you're just there all the time yeah
1: it's just you Um, your congratulations on that too like i don't know how single parents even temporarily single parents do it it's just yeah beyond me
3: yeah um I mean it, it was a, a period of maybe a couple of years i I was working at one point while I was trying to do it, and she was being asked to do more and more stuff and and be away longer and longer and in the end, i just said look i can't you can't be away, and I can't hold down. I was a lecturer at college i can't do I can't do both I can do one or the other i can't I can't manage so in the end, I quit my job and become a house husband for about eighteen months. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it, I, but I enjoyed i having two boys. It, it was, it was challenges, you know, but yeah, it was, I, I really enjoyed being a dad. Still do, still do.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're a dad, you'll be a dad until you, until you pass away for sure. Yeah. I had one question. Uh, we're going to get into, to your podcast and everything about, about that kind of toward the end. I did have one multi-sport question podcast though, before I get to my uh, co-host's questions. In, in America, anyway, Bo Jackson was uh, one of the greatest two-sport athletes of all time. I don't know how he has translated over into other countries, but assuming you've heard of him going off of the assumption that you have, where would you rank him on a more global, we'll say top five? You don't have to feel in the other four, but just where would you rank him on uh, you know, global athletes?
3: I haven't heard of him. Okay. And that's fine.
1: <laughs> that's totally fine. Because, what like sports said, did he do? Uh, he played for the Oakland Raiders in uh, the uh, National Football League, and he played for I want to okay. say the Kansas City Royals in, uh, in the Major League Baseball. Uh, and, and I'm not I'm not super surprised that you uh, because those are very it, it certainly at the time very American centric sports. But that that's totally fine. That's uh, actually I only threw that in there because I felt uh, awkward not having at least one question about multi sports uh, <laughs> athletes or you know something of that, that nature. Okay, so real quickly, run through these. He had one the, that I just r- really didn't understand, you know, what he meant. He just sent me this as a, as a list. But do you remember anything about your kids, your sons going through a picky eating phase? And if you do, do you remember anything that you did to kind of ease them out of it or anything you did to deal with it? Because we are both currently you know, in the midst of that.
3: Uh, yes, I do. It was very, my eldest son would eat anything, absolutely anything. You put it in front of him and he'd eat it. A younger son. He was such a fussy eater. We just let him deal with it, you know. Just if he ate it, he ate it. If he didn't eat it, we didn't make a big deal of it, you know. It's not really worth it in the long run, you know. Having the battles and trying to get them to, yeah, it's just not. It isn't. It isn't a big deal unless it's affecting the health, you know.
1: Yeah, that's that's where we stand for the most part. You know, one thing that we will have to endure at least three or four times a week, is that we will make him dinner. We will make dinner for all of us, give him whatever of it, and then he just won't eat it. When you dealt with that, did you just say, okay, well, you know, assuming they could talk or assuming you had the option, did you just make them something else? Did you ask them what they wanted and then make that? Or did you just, you know, let them eat what they wanted of it? And then or what was your method for that?
3: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the thing that stands out was broccoli. You know, or green veggies as, as a whole, or or as a whole, really. And it was just we put it. We'd all sit down like you guys at a table together. That was the one thing that we always did. We always had the same meal, and um, yeah. If he ate it, he ate it. And if he didn't, then he didn't. He ate what he wanted to off the plate. And
1: so we are basically, probably, <laughs> kind of on the right track by not worrying about it too much. Just yeah, letting them yeah. kind of struggle through it on their own.
3: Yeah, I think the funny thing is now he's a vegetarian, vegan.
1: That's weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So
3: that you know, that tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? Really?
1: Yeah, I guess it does. All right. So this next question is he he meant it in kind of a joking manner, but every time you see any kind of show or movie about England, uh, it's raining. Uh, inevitably, it's raining. <laughs> so uh, he wanted to know: it, it, Does it really? Because I looked it up online. Where does it rain the most? And it's not England. It, I think it's Seattle. But that being said, does it <laughs> rain? Does it rain there? You know every day does it rain there every week
3: it feels this winter it feels like it's rained uh, a whole lot yeah we're now you know we're in in a nice we've we've got 18 19 degrees we've got sunshine this weekend but it's just also been cold as well it's not been very good but yeah we do we get a lot of a lot of rain um and it gives us our green and pleasant land you know that's that's what it does
1: yeah uh <laughs> and is that i haven't this i haven't looked into but is it more uh, is it more rain than snow is that why you get so much rain because it just doesn't snow that often
3: yeah i think i think so um we we don't really get that much snow being on the coast as well but uh we get the odd downpour every maybe two or three years but nothing nothing like you guys over there and i don't uh i wouldn't want that i'd rather have rain to be honest
1: (laughs) yeah we where where i live specifically in tennessee we don't get a lot of snow but when we do it, it it can drop pretty heavily. Yeah. But with global warming, I'm sure we'll all be getting a lot sunnier weather soon. So he has this one question. uh, Well, he has a couple that he likes to ask or plans to ask all of our guests. One of them is how did the pandemic impact your family? America was at least as far as I know, probably one of the loosest as far as restrictions, but most other countries actually did take it seriously. You know, how, how did that affect you guys? Were you with your very local diet? Uh, was that a problem for you at all? You know were you still able to get everything you needed to eat?
3: yeah, I mean it did have it did have an impact um locally and and also within the family. my son, my youngest son Luke, at the time, was over in Australia with his girlfriend. They'd just finished uni and they were going travelling and working in Australia, so he had to come back. so we had both him and his girlfriend back home living with us, which was um a different dynamic. Uh, so that was one, that was one thing that was strange as far as, um, not to interrupt things, you, but
1: are they still together?
3: Ah, well, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> okay. Long
1: story short. All right. Now moving on, not to get too deep into that, but I was wondering <laughs> they how they are the...
3: still friends. It's a bit, it's, it's complex. It's, it's complicated, but they are still friends and that he's only just moved out. So he's, yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, but, yeah, going back to the the pandemic, it did affect us. We were housebound. We could go out running once a week, or we could go out once a day rather, um, do some sport. Yeah, it had pluses and benefit uh, pluses and negatives. Um, there wasn't much traffic on the road, so it was great for biking. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> no cars, <laughs> but everything else was restricted. You know, so
1: going back to our other guest from New Zealand, he, as I said, lives out kind of in the bush or whatever they happen to call it in New Zealand. And the, you know, the towns were locked up pretty tight, but they were still able to pretty much live as they had before, just because there wasn't anybody really around them. Yeah. So, okay. He also wants, he's also very interested in how other countries view Americans. If it interests you at all, apparently New Zealand or uh, Kiwis uh, tend to like our confidence or the perceived confidence anyways of Americans. So uh, how do you specifically, or people from Britain in general uh, typically view Americans or that because he thinks, and maybe this is true, you know, that by and large, everyone else hates us. I kind of follow that, you know, belief to a certain degree. When I was in the army, I wasn't universally hated, but we certainly weren't uh, embraced with open arms by any means. So in your personal experience, like how do you view uh, Americans in in general?
3: Um, I think hate's a bit of a strong, strong word, isn't it really? For that's not really what we want to we want to promote.
1: <laughs> no, but it it you know it says something that that that's how you start because it it sticks in line with what I perceive to be the the common opinion. It's all a, a bit beyond my control. I think that by and large governments in general are just full of terrible people, and mm-hmm. ours at least, not specifically. I'm sure that uh, they're much much worse governments. Uh, you know, Brazil jumps to mind. But we have some really crappy people that make really crappy decisions. And I don't want to cut you off or anything. If you have something else to add to that, by all means, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, you're not wrong. Your government's terrible. Our government's terrible. Russia's government's terrible. China's government's they are all They're all horrible, horrible people that are, you know, ruling us all. But I, you can't blame Americans as such. Well, I suppose you can because they get voted in by them. But you know what I mean? I No, I don't. I don't dislike Americans. I think like most um countries, you've got a lot to offer. You do a lot of things good. You do you brought a lot to the world. You brought some good music to the world. Um your sports are terrible. <laughs> 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 That's one thing that makes me laugh. You you guys have a, a World Series in like pretty much everything. Um, but it's only America that takes part.
1: Yeah, that is uh, that. Uh, weird that you say that. Uh, that never ever occurred to me until just now. That it's called the World yeah. Series, but the, all the all the, yeah, yeah. the teams are that, from right here. All,
3: that's always made me laugh, you know. And I think that pretty much that statement pretty much sums Americans up. A lot of Americans we feel that that there's don't, there's nothing outside of America because you're such a big country. It's like that's it. That's all there is.
1: Yeah. We are definitely very self-centered, and at least part of that is because we, I think America specifically, when we make maps, we intentionally draw America to be bigger than other countries, Uh, (laughs) so it just, you know, it reinforces the opinion that we are the end all, be all. Um, I think
3: the other, sorry, the other funny thing about that is that you're all immigrants.
1: Yeah, we think that, like, we were the first ones here, but what we did was just kill the first ones here or or enslave them all. (laughs) I and did, I can
3: say that because I'm an immigrant as well in the UK. My dad was Irish, so. Uh,
1: interesting. I actually got into my genealogy pretty heavily. Uh, my last name comes from Wales. So I was like, oh, right on, I'm Wales. Or I'm from uh, uh, you know Wales in some way, shape or form. And my, uh, I think it was my mom, though we don't talk anymore, who told me to supposedly, like I had a grandmother that was full-blooded Native American. So I was like, oh, I'm going to find all this interesting stuff if I do my genealogy. And then it turns out that 95% of I've been in America as, as a, as a, a set of genes for quite a long time. But when we, when you go out of there, almost everybody is from uh, Germany. And <laughs> I, I have like, no, like I've never had any desire to really visit Germany that, you know, there's never been anything about it that interested me. I was like, Oh yeah. England is like, that's where you need to go. That's surely, I've got somebody from England and I did have a connection to uh Oh, uh, the name escapes me. The like the most famous conqueror, uh, ten sixty six, William. Yes, uh, I am descended from him. So that was that was very cool. But beyond that, I have like virtually no ties to the specific area that I thought I was going to be, you know, very entangled in. So that was a little bit disappointing. Okay, so his last question before we get into your podcast. Is potty training? We are both also going through a bit of uh, the beginning stages of potty training. Did you have any memory of what you did to ease your way or 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 help uh, guide them along the the potty training path?
3: You know, I saw that on your your message through, and I was really really trying to think about it, um and I just cannot for the life of me remember. I guess it just not this isn't going to be very useful, but it just happened. you know what i mean it's just like don't make it again it's like philosophy in life don't make a big deal of it i guess when they do it praise them big them up but there's i guess there's loads of tips on online isn't there that you can you know google and they'll give you hundreds and thousands of tips that you could follow and Yeah, but from my personal experience, yeah, I just can't remember. It's it's too long ago. I'm too old. Actually, (laughs) sorry,
1: I I did mention to him. I was like, I don't know if he's going to remember any of this stuff because his kids (laughs) are at least in their 20s, maybe their 30s. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, nearly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, nearly. So that does bring us up to uh, maybe maybe the most important part of the podcast, and that is your specific podcast. And Hmm. I just wanted to give you this opportunity to you know talk about it, uh, explain it to anybody. uh, You know, we have a it's hard to to know, you know, an exact number of listeners, but we have some and it might be that they are interested in that sort of thing. So go ahead and give us basically your promotion and, uh, you know, let us know uh, what you do, what you talk about.
3: Yeah, basically my podcast started, you know, you're talking about lockdown. Um, it started in lockdown and I guess quite a few podcasts started in lockdown and uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm a gardener now and when I'm cutting grass and streaming and stuff. I listen to podcasts, listen to a lot of podcasts, Um, listen to a lot of triathlon podcasts and they mainly have professionals on, you know, the elite sports people on there or coaches or physios. And there wasn't really anything for the age group triathlete. And what I mean by that is within the world of multisport, there is a level where the average Joe can go and represent his country. So he's not an elite athlete and he can be from age 18 to over 80. So I decided to make this podcast so we could get these guys and girls on and let them share their story of how they got into multi-sport, how they started off as as kids, what they did as kids, sporting-wise, and how they evolved into getting into multi sport, which I don't know if you guys know much about multi sport. It's basically any sport that's got more than one discipline to it. So we've got aquathon, which is a running a bike, a uh, running a swim, we've got aquabike, which is a swim and a bike we've got duathlon which is a run a bike and a run and we've got triathlon which is the most popular which is a swim a bike and a run
1: do you do all of them
3: i don't i do duathlons and triathlons so yeah that that's where it i mean i've never i've never done a podcast before didn't know how to put one together didn't know what was well you you guys laughing at that but that's you know you know you've been there. i know exactly how you know, it you're is, just yeah. starting from scratch yeah. i'd loads. Yeah. i had loads of time i wasn't working in in the pandemic i had loads of time on my hands i said to my son who's a graphic designer and he's into his computers and stuff i said i've got this idea what do you think and he said yeah it's a good idea go for it so over as you know, you just try and work out what to do, how to set it up, and, and um, yeah, it became a thing. It was a thing. I made a thing. I yeah. created something, you it's know? Crazy, yeah. and it's It's a living, breathing thing, and it's like you're speaking to people who've got the same interests as you um, that have achieved this great thing about wearing, um, in our case, a British triathlon suit with our name on it, and we go and race all over the world against other people in our age group so the age groups they start off at 18 and it's every five years so in my age group now I'm 55 to 59 that's my age group so I race everybody in my age group in world or in European competition and you know everybody else in their age group do the same and yeah it's just such a such a wonderful thing and the other great thing about it is that I would say it's probably only the only sport where you can actually race on the same track or course as the elites do. So oh, wow. in 2018, I went to Australia, the Gold Coast, and it was the World Triathlon Final short course. So Olympic distance, which means it's not Ironman or 70.3. It's shorter course. It's the one that the Brownlees do. Have you heard of Ali Brownlee and Johnny Brownlee? No. Brothers from Leeds? No. Anybody in anybody into triathlon, they'll probably know who those guys are. So basically, I'll, I'll go through what the different distances are. You've got your sprint distance, which is basically a 750-meter swim if you're doing triathlon. Um, and then you've got a 20-kilometer bike or a 12-mile bike in your case. And then a 5K run, 3K run. And then these distances just double up. So the Olympic distance is twice that. And then the seventy point three is twice that, and the Iron Man is twice that.
2: So, what was the swimming again? What was sorry? the swimming distance again?
3: For the for the sprint.
2: No. Yes, for the sprint. Yes.
3: Sprint. Uh, if it's open water, which means you know it's where you're wearing a wetsuit and everything else, it's seven hundred and fifty meters.
2: Okay. Okay. Wow. Well,
3: if that's a pool, if that's a pool-based swim, it's four hundred meters. Okay. So, yeah, so that, I guess that's, that's where I, I mean, I, I've been into it since about 2010, quite a long time now. So I raced all over the world and it was just good to give people the opportunity to share the stories. And it, it seems to have taken off. I get, you know, frequent requests for people to come on and, and do it. And I think it's nice because not only are you having a conversation and you're leaving while well, they're leaving a legacy for their family to go back in years to come. And I've thought about this quite a lot for them to go back in years to come when they've, they're dead and gone. This is what granddad did. This is what great granddad or grandma did. You know what I mean? Listen to their story. It, Cause it'll still be here. Won't it it'll still be on the internet? You would hope. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's the other nice thing about it.
1: I, I'm pretty sure as long as you don't, you don't personally take it down that they'll always be able to go back. And it does tie into that, you know, the, the every man aspect of your podcast where little Billy, you know, he may not be able to turn on ESPN and hear about grandpa, but he can turn on your podcast and, you know, and hear his voice and hear him talk about everything that he said that day. If they have nothing else, they'll always be able to, to have that. Yeah. Cause I mean, your podcasts theoretically will last longer than some of these people. And so it may be, you know, all that they have at one point. And I do like the, uh, like I said, the everyman aspect because, you know, I can go to Spotify right now and type in triathlon and it's going to give me four really popular ones that only have Olympians on there, but yeah. they've already got to where they are there and they, half of them have forgotten the work that it took. So, I you know, if I want to hear about certain things, sometimes I want to hear about the people that are either just getting into it. They're at least still experiencing some of the hurdles and, and, and setbacks that I would, if, if I were to, you know, to jump into something like that. So it, it it really does feel a niche that, that, you know, you would never be able to feel if you were a, a TV show or, or something along those lines, because there's just nowhere else that that you could go to get that sort of content. And I applaud you for doing the work to get that out there, because like you said, it's not easy. We have to learn about editing and you have to buy half this stuff. And I don't know about you, but I'm not making any money and, and don't plan no. to for the most part.
3: No, no it's it's not, it's not you, you if you go into this for the for those reasons, then you know, unless you're um Rich Roll or, or you know, Joe um yeah. Joe Rogan. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, his last Rogan. Name, excuse me, you know, then you ain't making no money.
1: Yeah, basically you have to already be rich and wealthy and and successful, or at least really popular to get into podcasting and then make more money doing it. We are really like, we started this because we felt that there was just a, like a glaring lack of resources for dads, whereas a mother could turn anywhere and and, and find help, you know, in one way or another. And there are resources for dads. Our running joke is that if you go to Google and you type in something along the lines of my uh, my wife yells at me then it'll just say, <laughs> oh, well, you know, she's wanting attention or, you, uh, you know, she feels unloved or she needs a hug, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm, I'm generalizing. But then if you if you go and say my husband's yelling at me, then it immediately comes with with like three different helplines that you can call and, you know, people that you can talk to, to to deal with your angry husband and, you know, possibly being emotionally abused. And I'm not saying that we need that for men, but it is ironic in a way that it is so uh, obvious that that things are weighed in, you know towards the women. and if nothing else, then hopefully we're speaking to someone, be it the our listener. Uh, we got one guy that's in Belgium and a couple guys in Brazil, a couple of other places you know, or England or, or uh, Canada or America. you know, hopefully that we're at least uh, helping one of those people and, and I, I really don't know if we are because we get literally zero feedback. But I think
3: that's not unusual you shouldn't you know you shouldn't feel bad about that. I hardly get any feedback at all either to be honest and I ask for it and I ask <laughs> people to you know you you ask don't you to to leave yeah, yeah. comments and you know send us an email every week or every episode
1: i mean it falls in line with myself because personally, even though I listen to quite a few podcasts i've never felt the desire to write in uh you yeah. know or say anything. So it, it's unfortunate that I'm speaking maybe to myself when I say write in because they're just going to be like, nah, that's fine. But at the same time, it, we do make jokes about it where we say like things along the lines of like, well, clearly all of our fans love every single thing that we say and do. Because <laughs> that's where
3: I was at. Yeah, I agree they, with you. They never it's complain. Right. It's perfect.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm the type of person where if, if I started getting a lot of feedback, then I would probably have to push it off to maybe my co-host or, or even my wife because I would get five good emails and then that one bad one I'd be like oh my god career's over I'm done I can't podcast (laughs) anymore Uh, I'm never going to be able to go outside again I'm never going to stop crying Um, (laughs) but that's just a personal thing that's just I'm just awful like that but I I did jump in there uh, and I don't want to cut you off if you had anything else that you that you personally had any that you wanted to discuss
3: (laughs) just yeah back to the podcast I mean you know as I've said that was the reason to do it and it seems to be going quite well i mean i don't know what you guys are are like for numbers and things it's not not something that i dwell on now too much having done the podcast for over two years you know it's it's grown slowly and i don't really worry about the numbers anymore i think it was my son who said that at one point i was getting about 80 uh, listens and i thought well this is shit why am i wasting my time (laughs) But he said, well, you put you put 80 people in a room, dad. That's a lot of people. You know, some stand up gigs don't get that.
1: I looked at it actually the same way. I did read that not to uh, not to to um, cut myself off, but I did read that if you have 30 committed followers, that you have more than 50 percent of the podcast. So that's interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. i would read the same and it, you know, is it, as it goes up, it's like less of a percentage, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, I think we beat ourselves up about it, but at the end of the day, if you enjoy doing it like I do and you enjoy speaking to the people who come on, then, you know, that's worth doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been lucky so far. You've been really interesting. You've been really friendly. The the other guy's been really friendly. And and on top of that, I don't get to speak with a lot of people from other countries now that I'm not, you know, in the military and traveling around. So, or even uh, at school, So, it's always interesting to talk to people from other countries and get their opinions and and viewpoints on certain things. I do, uh, before I forget, because last time my co host missed, I forgot every episode, and you may have heard this, he does a a dad joke. And he left me a dad joke to give because we joked that if we were ever going to get feedback, it was going to be that time that I forgot to give his dad joke. Uh, We didn't, if you were curious. No feedback still. (laughs) So, real quickly, which bear is the most condescending? I'm looking, I'm getting notes from both of you. It's a panda. <laughs> panda. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a,
2: So that's our So
1: that's our dad joke for the episode. And, <laughs> you know, once again, I, I actually, uh, I'm always super nervous when these start out. I'm like, D- control your breathing. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And then I get into it and I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. So yeah, beyond that, Sam, did you have anything you want
2: to say? Before? No, I just had a few questions about the uh, about the triathlete. Uh, your triathlon history and uh, like how many comp how many competitions have you competed in uh, to date?
3: Ooh. You know, what I've never really topped them up, but I've been doing it for 10 years yeah, about 10 years now, so I'd, I really don't know.
2: Okay, okay. Do you have any favorite competitions that stand out to you?
3: We had uh, well, I think I mentioned the one in Australia, mm-hmm. um, at the Gold Coast that was that was memorable. We had three weeks out there, myself and my wife. And we had a holiday as well, which we try and do when we go to international competition. We try and have a holiday wherever the location is. But I think the another memorable one is we've just been over to Italy in March, end of March. Um, and it was a duathlon competition, a European, in Venice. Well, just outside of Venice, about 50, 50 clicks away. <clears throat> And uh, yeah, there was four of us competing and it was the first time that my wife had competed for GB as well. So that made it really extra special.
2: Wow. That's awesome. And and to be able to, did you run together? I mean, did you, uh, were you pacing each other, you know, during that competition? Unfortunately,
3: the women's race was um, after the men's.
2: So it wasn't intramural or anything? It was, okay. Yeah yeah did you uh did you ever get a chance to train with your with your children growing up did they did they show an interest in some of the similar things and activities that you had and 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 if so you know what did you do as a dad to kind of coach them or nudge them towards some better habits that may have carried them through you know as they grew older or they were able to kind of lean on some of those lessons to um, provide success for them in life
3: i think as a dad it's like I've, I've always been sporty. I've always ridden my bike and I've always ran and uh, weights and I did a keto, like I mentioned. Um, so they were always around that sort of vibe that that's what I did. The mum at the time didn't really do anything because she was working so much. Um, and as I said, I would looked after them for quite, quite a time by myself. Um, my youngest son was into soccer, as you would call it, and that's pretty much all he did growing up. But again, there was that Man United affiliation. I I used to watch football with me all the time and he got into soccer when he was six and he played it right the way through till he was um, 18. And then he got into triathlon. So we actually raced together um, until he went to university and then he stopped and he just went and drank um, (laughs) and had sex and stuff. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, My eldest son... um, he was not really into football or soccer, as you'd you'd say. Um, but he was into skateboarding and snowboarding. So we had snowboarding holidays and things. Hey, um, right. And then when he got a, I think he was 12, and he started coming to a Aikido with me.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
3: So we went and did that for a few years again until, no, he must have been older than 12. Um, and then he stopped uh, when he went to university. And so there's you... that, Sorry.
1: I I'd go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt.
3: No, it's okay. I was just going to say, so there was that, that mixture of seeing me do stuff and involvement from both sides really, which is quite nice. Yeah.
2: Right. So, so the, you know, the, the, the children kind of emulating dad up until a point, you know, and having that shared interest you know, passing off some of those things and even guiding them to, you know, uh, the discipline that they can learn from the martial arts, even for a short time, two years, some people put a lifetime into that. And they yeah. do that with some of the other things that they're passionate about. For you, it's going to be the, the, the cycling and swimming and the running and, and so forth. And so, the, I mean, yeah. so that kind of gives them a foundation or a leg to step off of to kind of give them a sense of purpose as to where they want to go a little bit later in life. So that's, that's great. That's, that's just really great. My kids, when they were younger, I have two daughters, one 14, one nine, when they were a little bit younger, they would join me in the gym and sometimes they would walk and run a little bit like, Hey dad, look, look at me play on the treadmill. Look at me pick up this 10 pound dumbbell. Oh, it's, it's, it was super cute at the time since they've matured, they've kind of, steered away a little bit from the fitness thing. My youngest daughter will still accompany me to the gym from time to time. We have some shared moments outside and we'll go out and do canoeing and some outdoor activities together. Going back to the triathlon uh, events and so forth and the travel that you've been to, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, I, I've only spent a brief time in England, but the time that I was there it was around the Datchet and Windsor area. And it seemed like very, very flat and kind of nice. It seemed very open area, perfect for cycling and running. Do you notice, or do they have a lot of events in that area? Uh, further south to
3: you? Yeah, I believe there's a lot down in, um, I mean, there's a major, major triathlon down in London itself, mm-hmm. the centre of London. Um, but yeah, I think all over the country, to be honest, they they have triathlons everywhere. I mean, it's got, I think since um, the Olympics in 2012, when I mentioned those two brothers, the Brownlee brothers, um, mm-hmm. one won gold, a gold medal, and the other one won bronze. Um, and it just took off. It just absolutely took off.
1: And the one uh, never let the other forget it ever again.
3: All yeah, right. the older one. The older one, yeah, he's, he was he was a different breed. He was a different animal. He would win at all costs. And, he, you know, his brother could never get to him. But, yeah, I mean, that's what made triathlon take off in this country, I think.
2: Okay. All right. And I have just one more question about, you know, your kids growing up into the sports and the activities that they enjoyed. Uh, What was their biggest challenge? What was uh, the biggest challenge they faced during their sporting years that you noticed as a parent and even like a kind of a coach?
3: I think for my eldest, it was trying to find something that he really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. That was his biggest challenge. I mean, we tried him, didn't force him to do anything, didn't force any of them. That's the, that's another key point, you know, don't, try and force them to do things, let them find their own path, you know, it's because it's just like, would you want to be forced to do something?
2: No. Oh, absolutely not. And then, you know, over time they grow to resent that, you know, you you want them to pursue something into university years or even professional leagues, if it's available to them or that you know, they can, they have the talent and they have the drive to pursue that, you know, but sometimes they just grow to detest it and and they completely do a 180. Yeah. and, And, and go in a completely different direction in life and just, Sports, yeah,
3: yeah, so that was the eldest one. And then we tried, like I say, we tried it in with all sorts of different things, and he just wasn't nothing sort of stuck, which was fine. He liked his skateboard, like I say, he liked snowboarding, and eventually he did a keto. Um, the youngest one, football mad, soccer mad rather. And I think his biggest, his biggest, I don't even, it's not a negative. Well, yeah, I guess it is a negative. He wasn't a very good loser. (laughs) <laughs> um, he just, uh, yeah. he, which in a team sport you know it's a bit difficult right uh, he just wanted to win you know not just at, at sport or everything he wanted to win and he was ultra and still is quite competitive um, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing between the two boys joe the eldest one so laid back doesn't give a shit, not competitive at all the youngest right. one uber competitive and it used to be really funny watching them because the younger one would always try and be competitive against his older brother who just wasn't competitive at all. (laughs) So (laughs) It was funny.
2: Right. That's awesome. That's great. One, one final question, I think for me right now, what is your favorite post, post competition meal to, you know, you mentioned earlier that you, uh, that you're a professionally trained chef. Is that correct? Like what's your, what's your favorite post comp meal?
3: If it's early in the morning, it's porridge
2: porridge okay can you for the listeners out there that aren't familiar with porridge what does that consist of (laughs) well you guys eat grits yeah grits oatmeal okay
3: yeah Yeah. so porridge is a similar sort of thing it's but it's oatmeal it's oats and basically we just we boil it with milk And you can put all sorts of fruit and stuff in it and, you know, honey or whatever. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that's, and it just releases the carbohydrate over a longer time. So that's why it's good for distance uh, events. It'll only last so long, but it it lasts quite a long time uh, due to the carbohydrate. And a meal beforehand, so if it was uh, the night before, it would be Mm -hmm. something pasta related, probably linguine with some lemon juice and olive oil and chilli and not too much chilli because you don't want an upset upset stomach and maybe right. some some seafood in there or some fish for the protein but mainly carbohydrate just to again give you that that base for the events that you're going to be doing the next day
1: do you take any supplements
3: yeah um i take uh, vitamin d vitamin b i do pea protein shakes with frozen fruit and Omega three and glucosamine, which is good for the joints and things. I
1: actually need to start taking the
3: glucosamine myself.
2: Yeah, pea protein is an acquired taste, by the way. You know, if you got soy.
3: Yeah, that's why I put frozen fruit in it.
2: Right. This this is not for everybody. Uh, and no. the glucosamine thing is is a wonderful addition to add to like your your daily regimen. MSN um, is another ad- addition that you can get uh, that's already prepackaged in a nice little capsule or a tablet you can get over the counter let's see what's some other ways you said the omega-3 ones vitamin d3 and calcium uh go hand in hand together mm-hmm. you know like i said as you get a little older you want to try to keep your bone density up you know and having that high impact training that you know you're experiencing by the running and uh, and so forth it kind of helps to do that but you kind of uh, got to balance that out between risk and benefit i think once you reach mm-hmm. a certain age but you, you know you kind of just tailor that down and you, you know you um Trained to what your body can allow you to do, because as age, as you get a little older, we you know we start to experience limitations. So you know, <laughs> i haven't been it able to we gotta, gotta get adjusted to, <laughs> like it or not. They, I heard they, something yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, 100. Yeah,
1: I haven't yeah. I haven't worked out yeah. all week. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. strength
3: training for for getting older, it's it's a must. Yeah. I was listening to one podcast the other day, and they're saying most people die from falling over. Work that one out.
2: Yeah, boy, I
3: old, old age that. old age pensioners, old people, they die from falling over.
1: I mean, it, it makes me wonder if they include falling over and then dying, like from complications of that later on, because that my grandma fell a couple years ago and she is still experiencing problems and contribute to any number of things going forward.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you could fall and hit a head, hit your head, striking yourself and end up having a brain bleed. Um, you could have a, um, you could have another different kind of uh, you know, doctor an occlusion and end up having a stroke there's many different things you break something in your cervical spine uh there's many different things that can be lethal at a certain age when you simply just fall
1: yeah sam's a paramedic so he knows all about uh yeah yeah Ah,
3: that would explain your knowledge
2: knowledge,
1: sir (laughs) (laughs) he's had his fill of people falling down and and not being able to get back up
2: oh i'm I'm telling you i'm I'm telling you we, we we joke at work sometimes and like to say that that each shift has a theme whether it be um oh my chest hurts or um I, i've fallen and i can't get up type calls or you know i'm a di- a diabetic and my blood sugar is low or too high or mismanaged stuff like that so we, we joke about like at the end of the shift what the theme was for the day and and uh, yeah falling down uh we, we like to call it fall down go boom uh, mm. that, that sometimes, uh, based on where you're at in the community, uh, you know, if there's a large geriatric contingency or disabled contingency, or it may just be that kind of Murphy's law kind of day, you end up, mm. you know, making a lot of calls to people that have fell down and just need help. So, but the, I think that, that podcast idea that you have is really awesome. And just having like a grassroots kind of direction and approach to that, where you just speak to the. You know, the, the, the lay people, the folks that aren't professionals or haven't been doing it for 20 years, and you can talk to them on a level that they understand, reach out to a lot of other people and having that uh, podcast, it networks. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've done some similar things and some similar experiments with uh, Instagram and doing like fitness and gym routines. And I would post some, some workouts and just things to share and meeting and meeting other people from, you know, different areas, different cultures, and even different countries expands your, uh, your, your, knowledge base. And, you know, what you can tap from as far as like what exercise works under these conditions, what exercise would you recommend for, um, this particular kind of result that I'm looking for. And I think it's, like I said, it's a great way to connect with people on the level that you have that shared interest with.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I'll tell you a funny story. When we were over in Italy um, at this mm-hmm. duathlon, I got stopped by so many age group athletes who'd either been on the podcast or listened to the podcast, and it was almost pe- people. I was almost like a celebrity. Um, people were wanting photographs with me, and my wife just couldn't understand it because she she's never listened to one of my podcasts. My, didn't really? Have anything. Didn't yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. She she. In fact, we did a little because there was four of us qualified to go to Italy, uh, mm-hmm. we all raced. Um, we did a little, uh, after we'd finished the race and we sat down having a meal, we did a little, I did a little recording to ask everybody how it, and I put that on the beginning of one of the podcasts to say what we had been racing blah 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 these are the guys i was racing with my friends in my club and this is their thoughts on the race because i thought it would be nice for people to experience and she didn't even listen to that and she was on it
2: <laughs> oh wow <laughs> just, uh-huh. just couldn't have a care no 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 concern or no nope,
3: no no nope. not interested whatsoever no. which is fine
1: my wife listened to the first couple and she said that she didn't like the things i was joking about so uh she hasn't really listened beyond that It would be nice if our significant others were like super interested in our, in what we're doing (laughs) yeah. but we've taken up, I don't know, at least half an hour more of your time than I expected. I go into these expecting the guests to uh, hate me and my sense of humor and everything that I have to say. So when we end up clicking a little bit and talking for a while, it always surprises me. But that being said, unless anybody else has anything else to add, I guess I will let you go.
3: No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Um, Best of luck with it. Give yourself a bit of a pat on the back for doing it. And don't beat yourself up about your shortcomings as a dad, because we all have them. We're only human. Nobody teaches you how to be a parent. You just evolve and you learn with your kids and you grow with your kids. And before you know it, they've gone, but they still need your help. So it's true.
1: They'll always need you.
2: They will. Yeah, you got that
1: right. All right, then, well, from the Age Group Multisport Podcast and your two dads, we will check you later. See you next
2: time. See ya.